0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is Criterion Cast main episode number 192. I am David Blakesley, joined by Aaron West. Aaron, hello, hello, hello.
1: Hello. Uh, again, David. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great and I've got Eric Devins here. Hello, Eric.
2: Hey, nice talking to you
0: again. That's right. We're going to get into the Olympics. This is the 100 Years of Olympics films, spy number 900 from the Criterion collection the big blockbuster the the mega set that came out in december <laughs> kind of set the world on fire at least in the uh, criterion centric uh, circles that we all travel in and uh, really happy to have you guys along as i sort of stand at the top of the large hill <laughs> ready to push <laughs> off and <laughs> sail off into space here and see don't, how this don't podcast Don't crash david goes. <laughs> well i'm going to try to stick that landing and uh, exactly you know maybe maybe uh, so so on the distance but i'll try to make some points on the form. (laughs) You you don't want to be Eddie the Eagle here. (laughs) No, no. I'm just just happy to be here. (laughs) Well, yes, folks, we have a very uh, ambitious task ahead of us. Uh, Arik and Aaron and I agreed a few weeks ago that say, hey, let's do a main episode on the uh, Olympic set focusing on the Winter Games as, of course, they are happening right now as we speak. This is the kind of middle weekend of the Pyeongchang Games in South Korea, and there's been some great highlights and experiences and memories of some of our favorite athletes, and there's some great memories yet to come as we are here on a Saturday afternoon and the Olympics are happening right around us. But we want going to try to get this episode out there fairly quick and also uh, use the, uh, the uh, opportunity to talk about what happened uh, from 19... Uh, I guess we're starting in 19, what, 24? 24. 24, yeah. And, yes, uh, and then going on up to the Vancouver Games of 2010, uh, these are each events documented in the Criterion Collections. Very impressive box set offering that surprised a lot of people, amazed a lot of folks. Uh, I had a very unique opportunity to be at the Criterion collections offices in New York City back in August just a few days after the set was announced and was extremely honored and privileged to meet with Peter Becker and have a kind of an advanced look at the booklet and uh, talk with some of the uh, folks like Lee Klein and others who were involved in the production and of course a really memorable experience for me uh, and a really nice opportunity for me to tell Mr. Becker and his crew just how uh, amazed and impressed uh, so many of us were when that announcement uh, kind of rocked mm-hmm. our world just a few days earlier. Uh, but yeah, let's kind of get you guys into the mix here. Uh, what do you think about this Olympic set? I, you know, we've talked about it at the best of the 2017 episode. Uh, the three of us were all involved in that. It was my number one pick for the year. i I don't remember how. How did you I think guys all three of us? We yeah, we we all we were in
1: agreement. Yeah, so everybody else <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> they've they've got to catch up. But the thing is, not not many people had seen much uh, at the time. I think just you and I had dipped into it. I think Aric, you were about to, but you just took a leap. <laughs> I, I it's been a few months, so maybe I don't remember correctly. But um, my. It's big. I actually just finished the entire set, which is, and not just the Winter Olympics, but the uh, the entire thing. I just actually put the lid on it this morning um, after having it open by the Blu-ray player. So that was. Pretty ceremonial. Um, I, I felt like having some sort of closing ceremonies of my own. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's a it's a beautiful set, and I think the I think as we dig in, I think the win uh, the many of the films are just spectacular. But I think the winter films really do stand out, um, both just artistically, and also because I think the events are a little more compressed. Uh, I think there's some there's some clear connections from from 1924 till 2000. Was it 12? 2010 ten. that we ten can, was uh, Vancouver ten yeah so some uh, through lines that we can uh, draw uh, say for example ski jumping you know they they did a lot of ski jumping in uh, Chamonix and uh, they were flapping their arms as if they uh, were flying and then of course by 2010 they had their form um, they probably went about ten times the distance and they had the cross ski format so a very um. Much better shape and uh, and also a little more scenic, but uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a tremendous set, and I, I love a lot of these films that we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah, so uh, pretty much everything that Aaron said, you know, I'm a I'm a an avowed Olympics junkie. I I love the Olympics so much, and I agree that the Winter Olympics. It's interesting because in you know when I think when you talk to most folks, the Summer Olympics get a lot of the oxygen. You know, they're, they're, you know, people are like, oh, I love the summer games. Ah, winter games. You know, other than a couple of highlight events like ice skating and a couple other things. But, you know, I've always been a, a fan of, you know, just kind of the more obscure winter sports, your luge, your your bobsled, your skeleton, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else. And and I think that there's, especially in the early in the silent era, I think the Olympics winter films were way better than the Olympic summer mm-hmm. films. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, the, the set is incredible. It's, I mean, we're such a treasure to have the 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 book is like the book you got to see when you were in that office I guess is is really phenomenal And that thing is hefty <laughs> and,
0: uh... yeah and it, and it's a really it's it's beautifully assembled it's it's got some really great archival photography essays by Peter Cowie on each of the films uh, at the back of the book some really nice uh, kind of behind the scenes making of and restoration notes and just you know you really get the the sense that this is a significant substantial kind of monumental undertaking uh it's not just the breadth of time a hundred years of olympic films going from uh the the very first games was it? pair well not the very first olympic games but the first games adequately captured on film to warrant inclusion from Was it Paris 1912? Uh, Uh, Stockholm. Stockholm, Stockholm. I'm sorry. Yeah, Stockholm. Mm -hmm. Stockholm 1912 all the way up to London 2012. So you've got that nice kind of centenary, you know, numerical thing going on there. But. The, the project of pulling these films together from lots of different sources, uh, you know, from, I think of the the early 80s, the International Olympic Committee at that point kind of recognized what they were sitting on and, and took control over all the films that were released uh, under the official Olympics banner. But prior to that, it was really a, kind of a, a hodgepodge. The, the host cities of the different Olympics, decided who they would farm the filming uh, documentary tasks and and responsibilities out to. And so you had a variety of of takes and and styles and even different national traditions of filmmaking, which really creates an enormous variety and so much intrigue in those earlier films. Afterwards, uh, there's a certain sameness and similarity that sort of settles in. And we'll get to some of that. But, you know, just the the act of pulling all this together, getting definitive you know, editions assembled, and then putting them out there for the commercial, the home video audience out there to say, yeah, I want to bring this home and check it out at my own pace, my own time. Uh, this is really quite a wonderful gift that, that Criterion and the IOC put together. And that's another little feature of my you know, time at the criterion offices is just kind of some of the interesting anecdotes which some of which I'll just keep to myself about the you know the tensions of working with the IOC that mm-hmm. the criterion collection had to put up with because they really are a small operation the IOC of course is a global it's a it's a huge organization with lots of money lots of prestige a certain sense of their own importance and let's face it there's nothing quite like the Olympics. I mean, you can take all the governments and all the corporations and all the different power centers of the world, but there's really nothing comparable to the Olympics that brings humanity together in the same way that these events do uh, every two years, you know, with the alternation between the Olympics uh, of the winter and the summer games. And, uh, yes, there's a commercial aspect to it all. Uh, There's a little bit of a branding and a corporate thing going on. But uh, at the heart of it all, there is this ideal. I think maybe it would be just helpful to talk a little bit about that, that Olympic Ideal. What what is the Olympics about? What does it mean? Actually, to D- yeah,
1: David, can I interject one thing? Sure, no, sure. Just, just what you just said. Uh, so, prof- I, I can't say anything, but professionally, I also work with the IOC. Oh, and okay. So, yeah. what you observed or probably heard <laughs> <is> n- <laughs> rings true to me too. And that's you got all your I'll own see. angle on all. Sure. I have. I, have, I might okay. have to tell you some stories offline. but We'll do that.
2: <laughs> I was uh I was um, on that same note before we move, and I. I I think it's great to talk about the ideals. But before we move forward, just in terms of the book um, and the relationship between Criterion and the IOC, I did find it uh, fascinating that the essays are not universally praiseful. Oh, no, um, no. They're very honest yeah. about the films and and uh, what what they accomplish and what they don't accomplish and kind of how they were made and a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of very useful information in there that I'm surprised a little bit. that uh, the, I mean, none of them are really negative, but I'm surprised that the IOC didn't want just like a... Just a you know fist bumping. This is amazing all day long kind of thing.
0: Well, you know the IOC doesn't really want to positively identify with the uh, the Nazi Olympics of 1936, for <laughs> right, example. Sure, that's an obvious one. But some, even some of the other ones, you know, where, where like
2: the sexism that's inherent in some of the earlier ones, the the book pretty clearly calls that out.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Cowie is a very straight shooter. There, he he tells it like it is. He's got the critic's eye. Uh, he's intelligent and informed. But, Arik, you could you acknowledge yourself as an Olympics junkie? What is it that's yes. got you so hooked on this thing?
2: Oh, uh, that is a great question. Uh, I think it's changed over the years. To be honest with you, I think when I was when I was younger, um, it was. Uh, I've always had kind of a complicated relationship with nationalism as a concept. And, and I think when I was younger, it felt like the one time you could be sort of unabashedly rooting for your country. Uh, but actually, as I've grown older, that is not at all what fascinates me about the Olympics anymore. Um, at this point, I think the ideals of Baron de Coubertin and, you know, the reasons the games are happening. First of all, I like sports. That, that helps.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, um, and all sports. It doesn't matter to me. You know what the what the sport is for a large you know curling is amazing and fascinating all <laughs> these things but um i think the ideals of like you know what the purpose of the games is that it's not about and i actually written about this quite a lot on my site lately as i've been going through these films because the films that focus on winning and gold medals and things like that i just seem like no you you missed it completely you know the, the famous quote from de Coubertin town that the, the point is to participate that it's not about winning or losing we have the winning or losing because you have to have a functional framework to do this right there has to be some some uh it's just the best way to bring all these people together but you know and it's kind of sad i mean you you see the old films where people were much more amateurism involved and i'm not saying we should ban the nba players or anything like that i just (laughs) think that um you know the olympics are about people coming together and i i think that the interactions between the athletes and the spectators in the olympic village in the olympic city that that kind of concept of bringing humanity together you know in a lot of ways, the idea in ancient Greece was that this was a time when no war could happen. Right, This was a time of peace. And I think that um, that's a really great ideal to strive for. And it, it doesn't happen anymore. There's wars going on during every Olympics, but um, it's a nice idea. And so and, I think the, the Olympics as an
1: idea. Is and that's where thinking. the historical value of this set uh, is, is pretty important because there were a couple wars uh, between, actually a few wars, but two major ones between these Olympics. And I think, especially in the early portion here, the Olympics kind of talks around them and doesn't engage it directly because, but again, I guess reinforces the spirit of peace and the um, and the Olympic ideal is that uh, it's it's supposed to be for a truce. And I love that, uh, and you kind of touched on this, David. Maybe the first half of the films, or maybe a little further, are all their own, the host cities' uh, uh, production. For the most part, and they're they're mostly foreign films. Of course, we watch foreign films probably every week or every mm. some of us every day, <laughs> so it's not uh, not too uh, different for us. But I think for for other people, it might be um, illuminating to see that culture. Uh, even like uh, and might as well just dip into an early film like the White Stadium, uh, 1928. Saint Moritz is a uh, uh, I think that was actually. So I think that was a German director it's a German film yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um and it's almost not quite propaganda level but kind of in that direction but it um but it does show a very very distinct uh, perspective of the games whereas say uh, 13 days in France is gonna be completely different but also very much uh, a, a French film Claude Laloche is an auteur and um, and what he's interested in is again it's not the winners and the losers but it's the events themselves and by the way I don't I don't know if I mentioned this but and it's not as relevant in the for the winter games but I was at Atlanta in 1996 uh, when when those games happened so I spent a lot of time there so i I think actually I, I engaged with more with 13 days in France because I saw a lot of the stuff that happened away from the, ga- the games that was uh, and just the the whole experience of those uh, 16 days uh, so that was or in Grenoble's case 13 days.
0: But, um, yeah, the, the impact that it has on a community or on a nation—kind of these concentric circles of, mm-hmm. of kind of you know, kind of transforming society or sort of putting what had been just a sort of a little resort town or a kind of an out-of-the-way place up on the global map. Now, of Austin—it's it's like not just this destination for the event; it's a part of world history, and that's the thing. The, the Olympics really—they—they uh, they are impactful. Games and events and and gatherings, and uh, you know, maybe we'll just kind of get some of the negatives out of the way. I mean, even <laughs> within the Criterion circles nowadays, there's there's people who say, "Oh, this sets a bore. This it's overpriced. I I'll never watch it. What's the point?" Those you know, People are wrong. Exactly. I don't I don't <laughs> completely, completely wrong. Know, you know, I'm just kidding. Of well, course, hey, I'm just kidding. I don't want to dump on anybody for their personal taste, but at the no, same time, I feel like there's a everyone. lot of there's a lot of uh, you know bias. I'll even call it prejudice that says you know give this thing a chance because it is not just what you see on the Olympics. If you turn on your local you know cable outlet today and and just focus on who's got the medals and and uh, who's you know earning the scores and who's got the endorsements and all of that. I mean there is that issue that is that is part of the current contemporary olympics package but there is so much going on artistically culturally cinematically i mean if you're a lover of film there's amazing things to be found in in this set, absolutely. And and I think there's also this maybe you know I'll just call it jock envy. Oh yeah, I, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair too. <laughs> you know, there. I mean, there's in circles, there are folks who just never did the athletic thing, and then there's some who are. But you know, maybe they they or at a different place in life, or, you know, they do athletics and they do cinema, you know, and that's fine. Uh, But don't let the fact that these are, quote-unquote, sports movies stand in the way of some pretty amazing experiences. I mean, I will never do, you know, one-tenth of the feats and and exploits that you see documented in these athletes, uh, but doesn't mean I have any grudge against them because my body doesn't function in the same way. These are really interesting people having amazing experiences and coming from literally all walks of life and certainly in the full range of the set you you know probably the winter games maybe one you know slight knock you could make is that they're kind of from the eurocentric or uh, you mm-hmm. know mostly caucasian and and now and more recently asian parts of the world but uh there is a place for all, all societies, all cultures, to find their their niche of excellence and, and achievement and recognition on the on the world stage. So, uh, you know, and and then you get some of that, in, especially in the later films of those personal stories and the, you know, the obstacles overcome to you know right. pursue that dream. And there's something pretty inspirational about that. Even if sports isn't your thing, I think you can relate to the fact that commitment, and dedication, and And, you know, triumph over adversity, you know, there's something Mm -hmm. really noble and important about that. And it's worth spending time with these folks who've chosen to do that journey kind of on the physical and athletic level.
1: And I think it's worth mentioning for the people that aren't sure, that want to just dip their toes in the water. and And I've seen some people that are lukewarm on the sport element but interested in the historical value or the artistic merit. Is, uh, and, and you've already noted that this on our, our little outline, but there's um, probably about a dozen or so available on Filmstruck, and I'd say that uh, uh, most of those are the highlights of the set, or some of the highlights. Uh, Pretty good are,
0: representation. Are, they they yeah. covered the whole
1: span of it. Some of my favorite films are on there. I mean, they skipped some of the green spans, but I think they have maybe one or two.
0: Uh, oh no, they have Lillehammer. Yeah, that's like three and a half hours. That's that's as right. much as Greenspan <laughs> as A lot of people may be. Yeah, and,
1: and Greenspan might not be uh, up up a lot of people's alley uh, for right. um, in our our circles, you know, because it's more of a narration of the actual events as they took place and the the victors and losers, and uh, I shouldn't say losers, but the the victors and non-victors, and um, and the the stories behind them. So whereas the others are more about the like, for example fight without hate uh is more about just the events themselves and uh and it's its own little flair so to speak Um.
2: i think actually quite a lot of the earlier films especially are not sports films in any (laughs) real way (laughs) (laughs) They don't even some of the early especially some of the early really early summer ones it's like They'll show you every heat in something but only one small part of what's happening (laughs) and then never tell you who won or what happened. So I I don't think – I think a lot of these directors, you know, there was really no understanding of how to film action, first of all. uh, And second of all, they weren't really, you know – they weren't newsreels in in, in most cases, and I, this certainly, if you're watching Olympics on TV or you have and you don't like it, and there's a lot not to like about NBC's coverage. Maybe we could talk about that at some <laughs> point. But um, the the this is this bears no really very little, at least in the early. You know, I haven't seen as much of the Bud Greenspan stuff, so I know that's supposedly more in that direction. But the oh, and if you can hear that, that's the uh, lawnmower outside my house. Thanks, everybody. Oh, great. Yeah.
0: yeah, they're just um, getting the course ready. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a whole lot of lawnmower action happening up where I live. <laughs> it is, yeah, you don't want me to tell
2: you what the weather's like here. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the 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 uh, they're not really they're not really sports. They're they're spectacle and and right history and all this kind of stuff, at least for a long period of time, I, you know, at least through the the end of the outtourist era. Regarding
1: how limited the footage was, the camera really doesn't move, and so you basically just catch, like, uh, for example, a ski run, and you're going to only get going to see one and two of of the mountain, just one little segment of the mountain, whereas today you, there's probably about 20, 30 cuts for one person's ski run to capture the entire thing, so I, I think I, actually that contributes to its charm, too, because the like the the two San Maritza films, you know, it's all in one place, and you do get a, a sense of the um, a place, like uh, for example, the rink at San Maritza. I think that's that's a big deal. You you get to know that rink, and it becomes another character in in the uh, the sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: you well, know, and I think what's really fun is is watching various cinematographers or the, or the cinematic medium itself figure out how to capture this stuff. You know, you're 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 also mm-hmm. watching the progression of. Of film technology and film craft, as uh, they're experimenting, and some of those old funky experiments are techniques that <laughs> have been kind of abandoned <laughs> uh, by today's standards. And uh, but they're still interesting uh, explorations of what film can do. And there's just a purity, there's a sense of innocence about some of those earlier films where uh, it probably wouldn't be appropriate or as interesting to take that same approach in 2018 because, you know, we're kind of past that point in our familiarity with the sports, but really just even some of the early process shots of, of, uh, here is a hockey puck. (laughs) 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 Here's the stick that they use because people watching this had not really ever encountered these sports before or seeing how the game of hockey itself was originally played outdoors, there were no walls. There was no arena that you're inside. There's just kind of a little barrier saying, here's the limits. And if and the puck was made out of wood, and none of the players wore, wore helmets, not even the goalies. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> insane. But, but uh, you know, you're, you're seeing the development of sports technology, of, 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 of film process, of, of athletic training, and, and, and how the techniques are refined over the course of years until, you know, you, the 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 feats being accomplished nowadays are just absolutely astonishing i mean people back mm-hmm. in the 20s and 30s would have considered today's athletes some kind of superhuman alien species <laughs> or something you know <laughs> to yeah, be able to do a, what they do yeah. I, the records keep getting broken.
1: That's for a reason. That's just. It's not just because. Well, actually, there for a, a few reasons. <laughs> Technology and and uh, other things. Well, I think the the big dividing line. Well, there are a number of dividing lines. I think regarding the evolution of film and and sports film and and I think Olympia. Even though this is focused on the Winter Olympics, I think Olympia uh, took the just sports documentary genre in a lot of ways, and I think that the films that follow it have some influence there. And then I think uh, again. Well, actually. Regarding the um, um, looking at the sports individually, I think White Rock, David and I have both Mm. recommended that as an entry point because it does kind of go through each and every sport. It it does not cover curling, by the way, which I think we we could use a documentary about curling.
0: Yeah, Um, James Coburn just wasn't down with the curling, I don't think.
1: (laughs) Um, Curling does not seem like a James Coburn type of sport or or Rick Wakeman.
2: (laughs) You still see... Major variations today, of course, in how this stuff is being filmed and in the techniques that they're using. But it's it's just evolved, and now it's more minor stylistic choices, I think, than, rather mm-hmm. than completely different approaches. One thing I do find interesting is that um, my my fiancé's brother is a, is actually a German sports producer um, oh, wow. for the biggest um, station, one of the biggest stations in Germany. And so we, we have a link from him to watch... Uh, I, mean, I I think I'm okay. Uh, talking about this, but there, we have a link to, from him to watch um, his his coverage uh, that he's producing, and it's and it is, you know, a lot of the footage is the same as what NBC is showing, but there's it's being presented in almost a completely different style, mm-hmm. and it's it, that's still fascinating. Obviously, that's a little bit less related to the documentary documentary aspect because this is like live. You know, the live coverage is obviously totally different than the look back coverage of what you do with the documentary. But even then, yeah. even now, you know, it's it's we do they do still find ways to. To, to shade it, but it was much more true early on. I think.
1: Actually, I think that's an important distinction. And, and yeah, I think with the modern Olympics, like for the example of the ski runs, uh, a lot of times they have these really involved overhead shots that probably they could be drones. I don't know what what they're shooting with. Probably a lot uh, of
2: drones on, yeah.
1: on the on the ski slopes, but they they keep uh, so they can uh, cover a wide ge- geographical area, and they're pretty good at uh, moving the shot. It's actually very impressive. Uh, whereas others are just the cut cut shots um but yeah i think that's a a good distinction with these films because watching today on tv watching a ski event or luge or figure skating is not like watching these films even the greenspans which cover the events um you don't get the you get a little a sense of the the thrill of the competition and the victors but it's more about the moment um in the films whereas watching them on tv of course it probably takes about 20 times the time for one event um but but it's a different experience. And I think this I, I think the, what these this box does, it encapsulates every one of these experiences and moments and um, and gives you a lot of context. So I've actually enjoyed the Pyeongchang Olympics a lot more having had all this context. And
0: um, that's the thing. The, these films kind of put you in a little bit of a, a context to say, wow the, the, the evolution of the sport, the perseverance of the athletes, the introduction of different nations and different styles into, uh, you know, into how this sport is performed is, is just really fascinating stuff. And so there are so many different angles of approach and appreciation, uh that again, I just, I really want to give this a strong endorsement. And I think that's as much of a, a goal of this episode <laughs> as it is yeah. to kind of give you, Absolutely. you know, critical insight on the, each of the particular films. No. But at the right. same time, yeah. I, we, yeah. I, I don't think we could. <laughs> right, we, we'd have to do a multi-part series to really kind right. of give each film its due. Uh, but 50 it, episodes, <laughs> 50 films. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we just pitched a podcast. <laughs> but I, I think it would be helpful and, and perhaps kind of, uh, you know, interesting for our listeners to kind of just go over some of the films. Maybe we can just kind of start taking them off a little bit in order. Again, we're not going to give, you know, 15-20 minutes to each one. We'd be going on and we've got other plans for today. (laughs) But why don't we just kind of go back and maybe just key moments or impressions, memories... Uh, just to kind of tick down the list here, so let's talk about Chamonix, nineteen twenty-four. This is just a little over a half an hour. Uh, it was the first official Olympic Winter Games, and uh, Chamonix is a little village up in the French Alps. There, uh, very charming. Uh, I don't know who who wants to take that one as far as kind of uh, kind of an overview or key moments. What stood out to you? So,
2: first of all, um, it, retrospectively, it's the first official. Uh, winter olympic games but at the time it happened it wasn't oh okay
0: well what happened what what was that story there
2: so it was originally the international winter sports week and uh after they decided that they were going to do this winter olympics they retroactively decided it was the first official uh Olympic winter uh, some uh, it was the first official winter olympics and they retroactively said oh it's mm. it's the first olympics winter olympics which i <laughs> it, it doesn't in any way diminish it but it's just kind of funny did they do random. the same
0: uh, medal ceremonies and all of that
2: i believe they did yes um it was it was organized by the french olympic committee not by the international olympic committee and the ioc retroactively designated it as the first winter olympics games so it was it was a cr- great idea um but it was not uh and i think because the 24 summer olympics were in paris that year right so the the french Mm -hmm. group decided let's have a winter thing and uh it looks like it i'm trying to figure this out quite quickly but it looks like in 1925 so the next year the ioc decided to have an olympic winter games and recognized the games as the first one so it was only a year later that they that they decided that it was in fact the first winter olympics games it's a quibble i just i find it Mm -hmm. interesting did they um,
1: retroactively go run the torch from Olympia to Chamonix? <laughs> well, as
2: you as you very much know, right. it's, it's funny, but as you very much know, that started in Olympia, but uh, in 1936 in Berlin. But oh, that, that's right, that's right. But that would be a great thing to do. <laughs> um, so uh, the one thing the one thing I wanted to point out about this film is that uh, even though it's the second film in the set uh, chronologically after the 1912 games, the 1912 film is not actually a film from 1912. It uh, was put together in 1917 from all of the news r- footage. Mm-hmm. That they could find from 1912 2017
0: so, you, you said that uh, 2017 yeah, 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 yeah thank right, you right, right, um
2: right. and <laughs> and so it, it isn't a coherent narrative or really a film in in any traditional sense it's 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 fascinating but it's mm. you know it's not really a film so this is the first like intentional uh film for the anything involving the olympics and uh you know it's short and it has a lot to um learn but it's remarkable to look at the 12 and then the 24 to see the advances in filmmaking and also see, of course, how the world was completely reorganized due to World War I. I mean, the countries represented are just like almost completely different. Um, and it's, you know, it's slow motion shows up for the first time here. And it's, it, they have some ideas about what they want to do. And it is, mm-hmm. I think, v- very worthwhile and one that I enjoyed quite a lot.
1: Yeah, one thing we learned is that sometimes slow motion is done better than others. <laughs> <In this> <laughs> <set>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. Short, uh, short and sweet, uh, but a nice intro to the games and, and a few, few of the early sports.
0: All right, the next big one, and this is a pretty significant one, is Sant Maritz twenty-eight. This is where uh, this is the White Stadium. Uh, as we said earlier, this is a German film, uh, but really just full of really incredible moments. Um, uh, Sonia Heine, the the uh, great uh, female figure skater, I think was she. She was Norwegian, right, and so uh, she's got some pretty prominent uh, moments here. She was already kind of a global superstar at that point. Uh, I already talked a little bit about the hockey match, uh, that kind of uh, extended sequence there. What are some other moments that uh, maybe stood out in any of your memories? The The men on skis being pulled by horses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Equine a- events have kind of found their way out of the Winter Olympics in, uh, <laughs> and recent and sadly, and,
2: very, very sadly. In my
0: and and the, the couple
1: that went out on skis with their shirts off, and at first you couldn't tell if they, it was boy, male, male, or, or and they were just being bold and having, you know, just yeah. being... I mean, kind of like the Tonga guy in the, in the modern, modern Olympics, but then you realize, oh wait, the other one's a girl, and they went they went skiing with their shirts off. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, yeah. I, that, and, and, I think
1: that was White Stadium. Some of these do
0: blend together. No, that was that was White Stadium. That was an extended it, yes. sequence as well. And it's like, well, you know, back to nature, little, I guess. A Little yeah. random, but it's a beautiful the first, film.
1: The first half an hour, especially, I think they where they establish the location, and it's kind of idyllic and tranquil. Uh, which I think actually is a a, a quality of the, a lot of the propaganda films, and, and then just talking about how beautiful the homeland is, even though Samarit is in France. But Switzerland. It is, what? Switzerland. Switzerland, sorry. <laughs> Chamonix in France. Uh, but yeah, I think aesthetically, and I think that's another attribute of the Winter Olympics, just because snow is pretty uh, and... Uh, and so so a lot of the films are very pleasing to the eye and I, this was especially the case
2: yeah the winter olympics have the advantage in especially in this uh silent and black and white era that first of all snow looks really good in black and white if done well <laughs> it so does. and this one especially is beautiful i mean it's sam Moritz, obviously super beautiful but it's Mm -hmm. just like a really 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 beautiful film but also the 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 music for the at least for this set i I don't know how much this music we're hearing now has any relationship to the music that was at the time but the music for the winter olympics is just much like more pleasant it's like just much nicer to listen to so there's just certain advantages that the winter olympics just had in that era but yeah it's a it's a fun it's a really it's kind of the first like really special special film i think in this set it's it's
0: wonderful i agree yeah, and they do some multiple exposure shots. Uh, again, you still get that sense of a little bit of the old Europe. There's still a lot of horse-drawn sleds. We, you know, we already talked about the competitions. Uh, there's those really nice little uh, shots at the beginning of the uh, townsfolk uh, switching from their stylish uh, city garb to the uh, you know athletic uh, the skates and the you know, the just kind of little trick photography things going on there. So it is. It's extremely charming. Uh, I've I've saw, seen other comparisons between the uh, the, the Ritz Carlton Hotel and the Grand Budapest Hotel in terms of their kind of visual uh, <laughs> yeah presentation uh, sure. there and so yeah you you know and so you definitely get a, a more than a whiff of the aristocracy this is this is uh mm-hmm. this is for the beautiful people at play uh, people of uh, wealth and privilege coming out to do their thing and certainly that's part of the Olympic heritage is there's you know you, you got to have some money if you're going to play this game. And that's been, you know, opened up a little bit as as national governments have decided to, you know, endorse uh, some of their local athletic heroes. Uh, but it's it's still definitely, a, it's a big money uh, enterprise. Uh, here you get a little bit of sense of that uh, aristocratic uh, roots of, of the whole uh, endeavor. And and so, yeah, a lot, lot of old European charm going on in this one. Yeah,
2: there's one more thing I wanted to point out sure. about the music. Actually, I just remembered... Um, it's a really brilliant idea. Every time they show a stopwatch, the music suddenly has a metronome. Yes, yes, right. That little tick tock.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it really it really dramatize, dramatizes what what's going on. It's a really smart thing to do.
0: Well, and that's another little technological piece, just timekeeping and and how mm-hmm. uh, how precisely measured these events are, and and even just the. Uh, you know the, the way that the sports the, the the terrain was refined. I mean, in some of these early films, they're they're doing downhills and they're they're skiing between like trees and boulders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was like, wow, you know, you are really. Taking it into your own hands, there obviously yeah, knocking
2: in there, digging holes to use as the starting things for the running in the winter, in the summer, sure, I mean, sure,
0: and, and even like the 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 bobsled and luge tracks. These are not oh you know, these God. these <laughs> machines or these you know these sculpted environments. This is just like let's dig a trench in the snow and hope that we make the wall tall enough that people are <laughs> Yeah, <off. laughs> and, and you can only imagine
1: all the labor that went into the, uh, a lot of these courses, especially the, the tra- into the tracks. Um, yeah, and and I, I forget which film show the sweeping actually i think that's a little later yeah well, i
0: think a few of them did i mean where where they've literally got like a kind of a, a squadron An army. Of, of people on skis kind of tamping down the slopes mm-hmm. there for the landing yep. of the ski jumps they still or, do that today which is crazy yes yeah, spray spraying yeah, water on the, on the uh the luge and bobsled tracks you know to mm-hmm. kind of freeze them up so that they'll hold their shape when the- <laughs> You know when <laughs> Five hundred pounds of humanity comes hurtling. Down well, and them the talking track, about how fat know? everyone has to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You want uh, stout Olaf and uh, Sven out there. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> bobsled has to weigh a certain amount, but the guys can
1: weigh whatever. They... <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing with the uh, the aristocracy, uh, uh, the origins is that yeah. uh, the people aren't as in, in good shape as they would come to be because no, people no. had to have uh, their they had to earn their their keep in order to even consider participating. So. Yeah. That's probably more the case with uh, the summer games, I think, than the winter games, but it's still a factor.
0: Well, going down our list here, there's one that I, yeah, okay, I see it just popped up on the list there, is the Youth of the World. I uh, yeah, spoke earlier about the Nazi Olympics, and this was mm-hmm. a kind of a uh, an offshoot of the infamous Berlin Games of 1936. Apparently, the IOC gave host cities of the summer games the privilege of organizing the Olympic uh, winter competition as well. So uh, here we have uh, Hitler's Olympics debut, I guess, that uh, Berlin came after this. So yes, Hitler himself was there. Was that Goebbels I saw over on the side and yeah. a couple of those mm-hmm. shots as well? So it's it's pretty disturbing, but again, it's mm-hmm. an essential glimpse of history as you're seeing these very quaint alpine villages and everybody's festive and... Looking forward to a new, you know, uh, you know, round of competition, and there's swastikas uh, hanging from the balconies, and you know, athletes giving the stiff arm salute as they pass by in in uh, procession there, and it's just wow, you know, well, just. Which, by the way, that was yeah. actually the Olympic salute. Uh, um, so that's why
1: you see different nationalities making that salute. And and for, for a while, I thought, wow, were that many people into Nazism in that time? Or were but they no, like compelled to do that? Some
2: of them were. Some of them were into France was doing the Olympic salute, but Italy and. and Germany were obviously doing the fascist
0: Yeah, they had. And so goal. I think
1: it was after the obviously after the war. I think probably San Maritz is probably maybe the last Olympics. I forget which which one. Um, but yeah, they they did still do it for a little while afterward, um, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah
2: it's I, I, this film is 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 fascinating for one thing. It's it's really I mean so the the director who made this film was I think one of the main um mentors for lenny riefenstahl right so um there's a lot of mm-hmm. sort of overlap in terms of like where that where you'll things you'll see with olympia but i feel like this film is much more expressionistic in, in in so many ways like the the story here to me was about the the inner turmoil of the of the athletes and but there was also so much focus on on um uh, you know gladiatorial combat and you know kind mm-hmm. of like all the ideas of nazism were, were kind of really embedded in this and i actually found this film to be far more propagandistic mm-hmm. than uh, olympia which i found surprisingly uh on not not directly to my mind uh, all that um propagandistic minus the you know obvious things but this film like in every feature really i mean i, I felt very much that way um although i, I agree it, yeah. It is worth noting, and we'll talk about this when we get a little further in the set, that the Nazi Olympics are without a doubt not the most nationalistic of uh, the—even the Winter (laughs) Olympic films. It gets Mm. crazy. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think Olympia was propaganda by omission because it didn't mention all that was going on and all the controversy. Sure, sure, but it did deal with Jesse Owens and— yeah, yeah, and they actually showed a lot of. And anyway, I digress because that's not the topic. But uh, but yeah, you get to see uh, Hitler's smiling mug. So there, there's, that's never going to be pleasant. Well, without a, a doubt, yeah,
2: both right. both films, and I'm certainly the you know the last person to say that they're not awful. But I'm just saying that this one actually feels, in some ways, more direct than that one. Yeah, agreed. yeah.
0: Well, ev- every event is punctuated not by the winner, but the flag of the country. The the yeah. the mm-hmm. music has that kind of militaristic, nationalistic yeah. tone. Uh, Valor and honor are achieved by kind of the the experience of pain and agony on, exactly. on route to triumph. Exactly. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. it, it, there's this kind of a sadistic aspect to you know the the, you know the 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 blood, sweat, and toil that that each of these athletes put into it. So it is. It's 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 short. It's it is remarkable, and it is a very interesting, you know, whatever you want to call it, a blemish or a mm-hmm. footnote into Olympic history. And uh, you know, I, I would even say probably the Olympic ideals were were hijacked to a certain extent, but it was sure. part of the process of saying, "Hey, you know, we've just been through a world war." You know, I, I imagine the decision to give Berlin the Olympics of 1936 was a way of saying, "Let's extend an olive branch. Let's go ahead and no bring Germany." Uh, that was actually be, no. That was yeah, before was the done. Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. It was well, done during the Weimar era. Right. And then yeah, it was not right. changed. Well, that, yeah. The, yeah, oh, idea, you mean from World War well, One? Oh, yeah. I got yeah. You. Exactly. So, so the idea was let's bring Germany back into the community of nations. Mm-hmm. Let's gotcha. let them host this event. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think they said let's endorse fascism. You know, I <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know enough about the inner it, politics. Or Certainly this is random speculation on my part, but but I can understand the the motive of, you know, Germany is a great European society and, and, uh, you know, they've been put down, they've been shamed. This is a way for them to, as as has happened in other recent years, I think giving Brazil the Olympics, giving Mm -hmm. Athens the Olympics, when some of these countries are kind of given a a showcase to say, yeah, we're part of the global community as well, uh, you know, obviously the, the the social political realities you know kind of took a took a drastic turn and and history is what it is now so i think it's you worth know, pointing out
2: though like just in terms of that that um that just a little bit about the history cuz i did do a lot of uh, research on this cuz i was really fascinated by it so so yeah they they awarded it to the Weimar era germany and then what ended up happening is as hitler took over there was a lot of calls for not uh, either boycotting or not having it or moving it. And um, I think it's worth pointing out that the primary reason that the Olympics still happened in, in Nazi Germany was U- U.S. Olympic Committee president and later IOC president and major feature in many of these films, Avery Brundage, who was a pretty unabashed Nazi supporter who yeah. went on a fact-finding trip to, to Nazi Germany and talked with... Uh, Jewish people with Nazi translators and said they all said it was great he spoke no German (laughs) he made jokes about how (laughs) in Chicago they don't let Jews into his country club either and Mm. um, and he specifically made sure that the U.S. still went and made sure that the Olympics still happened and he was also the one when we get moving forward who was the president of the 72 Munich Games who refused to mention the you know, give that speech uh, that was widely panned and stuff. So, yeah, not, he, not a great. He's
1: guy. he's a not a yeah a very controversial figure, and that's one one of the I think the major flaws of these films is they don't address a lot of the controversies um, in the film. It is it very much a company film, uh, even even the ones by independent filmmakers, and especially by uh, by propaganda filmmakers. Yeah. They don't show the full picture, and so yeah, seeing Avery Brutage for 30 years or so uh, introducing the games was kind of. Yeah,
0: it did kind of clot. Yeah, but anyway, I
1: think we're going too slow. <laughs> slow. <laughs> right. Well,
0: let's let's keep it rolling. So we'll we'll mention in passing there is no record apparently of the 1932 games, both of which were sponsored and held in the United States of America, and we're filmed, them. but we and, and we're the filmed, bus. but we can't find them. Uh, L.A. Los Angeles was just a few miles down the road. Hollywood, <laughs> I should say, was uh, you know, and and Lake Placid, New York, the original Lake Placid games of 32 both of which may be little clips here and there, but nothing that Criterion felt they could put on disc. So so there's that. Um, We also um, skip ahead, of course, because the uh, World War kind of interrupted from 1940, 1944. Those would have been Olympic years, but uh, it was not meant to be. The world had to figure out uh some other more critical issues before they could play the games again. So Saint Moritz 1948, 20 years after the White Stadium, uh we have Fight Without Hate. Uh really really nice. Is this uh let's see, is this the one that was in Technicolor or no, that the other one. No, no. This, this was black and white, L- but the uh, London, this uh, is uh, the
1: one that had the 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 fun commentary. Oh yeah, yes, exactly. The uh, little witty it, banter
0: between the uh, <laughs> Husband the, and yes, wife, and all the of that. incredibly yes. sexist, <laughs> very sexist, answer. but but, but yeah. fun, but funny and fun.
1: And I think they deliberately. Well, no, I, I don't think. I think they. It was very much, you know, making light of the Olympics, and uh, and you know, we, of course, the world is was ravaged by this war. This was nineteen forty-eight. So, and the, the topic, the name of the film is "Fight Without Hate," and I, so I think that just kind of uh, solidified that this is an adventure and we shouldn't take it too seriously we should get, move on and uh yeah and we are still human beings with couples and uh we can make jokes about our wives possibly flirting with other men so
0: it, it does have a little bit of that uh, savoir faire that joie de vivre in there yeah. so it's it's the french spirit coming through and uh yeah it is it's pretty entertaining don't take it too seriously because yeah you're you're gonna find a little bit of uh, <laughs> discomforting uh, sexist stereotypes uh, playing mm-hmm. themselves out there, but yeah, I guess you take it in the spirit of its times.
2: It's fascinating to me. Uh, so I really like this film, uh, in spite of the the commentary gets a little boorish for sure. But I do think <laughs> that the narrative of 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 the the film of you know that we could have a, a we could come together and fight quote unquote without committing war and really it's. It's coming out the end of that but I do find it interesting that the to my viewing and I don't know if you gentlemen agree with me uh, that I point out gentlemen there specifically for the next thing I'm about to say is that the Olympics of the for, starting here in 48 and through I don't know the 60s it's actually far more sexist in in most ways than the Olympics that came before it like the, there really wasn't a lot of commentary on that sort of things in, to my memory of, of the earlier films and this is the period where we start to see that's true see a lot of that kind of stuff it's it's interesting
0: yeah i I think there is kind of a post-war chauvinism you might even see a kind of a bit of a reactionary trend within the west against you know the more egalitarian ethos of the marxist and communist nations where Mm -hmm. the sexes were specifically equal and to distinguish themselves they kind of put women in this more subordinate place and so uh there is a little bit of this condescension towards women's uh women's uh, you know, not that there was, you know, a huge emphasis on women's sports in the pre war era, but, you know, Sonja Heine wasn't talked down to as the little lady from Norway or anything like that. She was a, <laughs> no. yeah, she was, a, she was right. a very yeah. vigorous, powerful athlete in her own terms and, uh, you know, like I say, a superstar. So, uh, yeah you get a little bit of more of that uh, let's see what the what the women are capable of you know <laughs> but go, it's a, this right. one's
2: really fun really and it's nice to have a fun one especially after cuz like uh, youth of the world is great uh, in its propagandist uh, evil way but as a film it's it's great um but but fight without hate it's so nice to have something so lighthearted yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah i did mention the one that's in color uh the, the 14th olympiad the glory of sport which is build on the disc as london 48 but there are some winter olympic segments in there so that's where you do get some technicolor look at the olympic uh, winter games and that's that's a pretty cool little sub feature of that particular documentary so if you want they to, kind to of, cover both right mm-hmm. yeah they, they did they covered all, all both of the games and again like you say you've got uh, just a really nice kind of vintage late 40s technicolor which has always kind of got its own little quaint Beautiful. charms to it to it as well uh, bumping ahead then, just to keep things moving, Oslo fifty-two. This was the first uh, Winter Olympics to be held in a major metropolis. Uh, the rest of the games really had been more up in the mountains, uh, you know, taking advantage of the uh, environment uh, and the and the European setting there. But Oslo was a you know pretty major uh, Norwegian city. Uh, Norway was very hardcore, you know, about their winter sports. And really, I think they do a very nice job at the beginning of the film kind of establishing that foundation of how many of the skiing uh, and alpine events really do, you know, emanate from the Norwegian tradition uh, where, as I said in the film, Norwegians have been skiing for 4,000 years. So I I thought that was a really nice bit of cultural context as we're kind of getting out of the Swiss, French, German, you know, core of the Olympic movement into, you know, very gradually into some of the outlying nations this is the one I mentioned as
2: saying that I was shocked that there could be a more like nationalistic propagandistic film than the than the Nazi ones. Cause this one is so <laughs> yeah. overwhelmingly uh, obsessed with Norway. Which oh yeah. Is fine. But also mm-hmm. they're how they compare to specifically Sweden and Finland, right? It's a oh, yeah, Scandinavian yeah. film. It's obviously for a Scandinavian audience of like, we're going to beat those Swedes and Finns. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not negative in any way. It's just really like intense, but, I I do want to call out the the, the best thing about this film, to my mind, was that it was the first one that, that started to, like, focus on specific athletic techniques of, like, this is how, this is why this person is so good. This is what this person is doing. This is how they're getting the speed or whatever they're doing. And using slow motion in a way not to just say, look, we have slow motion, which was, you know, kind of the earlier thing of like, look, we can do this at all. This is amazing, which was true. But to say, you know, let's examine this uh, technique. Let's examine this, this d- discipline and, point, and the narrator pointing out specific things was really educational for me. Um, but yeah, crazy how, how provincial, I guess, would be the nice way of saying it, how provincial this film is
0: so you know with the oslo film we're kind of looking at the kind of the launch into the sort of first modern era of the olympics before it gets into the you know maybe more contemporary style so we're going to try to pick up the pace a little bit here and just kind of maybe real quick takes on, on what we see happening uh, from this point forward so the cortina film uh, Italy uh, is kind of a quaint beautiful little color film it's available on filmstruck Definitely a nice little sampler for people who are Olympics curious. Uh, I guess you could say get get into that. White Vertigo is the name of that one. Some really charming kind of rustic, uh, you know, aspects of the little village transformed, like we've already talked about, into this global hotspot of uh, of uh, sports and activity and commerce. Uh, Squaw Valley, nineteen sixty. This is an interesting one because uh, the only extant version. Uh, was a the German adaptation the the original English language footage is lost uh, and anything about those two that uh, you want to either you want to you know pitch in on
2: not too much to say I'll just quickly say that both were pretty great um, White Vertigo was a, a a surprise to me how much I enjoyed it it's really really um, all about the beauty of athletic endeavor and the opportunities for peace that it brings and how beautiful the places and all that kind of stuff it's really nice it's fun and then um, the 1960 film. It's 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 a German film, like you said, and they lost the the, the same company actually made both the German and English editions, but the mm-hmm. English ones just just lost. But it's so goofy and like 60s and fun. And yeah. it's just, like jazzy and com- comedic and 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 fun, and it's just like it really nails the mm-hmm. like let's make the Olympics fun thing that kind of started with um, Fight Without Hate, and I I really enjoyed it. So. Yeah. And yeah, and
0: and the and, just the cultural overtones of these films and how they just sort of epitomize their era is a real delight go ahead aaron i
1: i remember just cortina uh, d'Ampezzo. is that how you say it mm-hmm. um, no i do <laughs> and, and that's that's one thing i, I i've said this already but it, they, they do really blend together so i think the next couple i don't think i can make a much uh i i can't really distinguish them beyond the two but i remember cortina had had a great sense of place and i if i mm. and I, I might be remembering the wrong olympics but um but I remember they they went to different parts of the town and showed some of the locations where they held the events. Uh, I think such as like the hockey stadium, which was in a little resort area. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought that was really neat. And um, I am thinking of the right film, right? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Squaw Valley. I think the other thing, even if if it's in the German language, there's a certain Americanness to it. You totally, know I mean? all <laughs> the celebrities,
2: <laughs> yeah. the place itself, California. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Innsbruck, I don't have a strong recollection of anything that happened there. The, there's a later one at Innsbruck that we could go on about, which we'll again we're right. try to be brief <laughs> here. Uh, but it's the it's the placeholder 1964 uh, Grenoble. There's two full feature films based on the Grenoble, uh, the French Olympics of 1968. Those are the earliest Olympics that I have kind of a personal memory of. I remember hearing about Jean-Claude Killy, the great downhill
1: right, triple gold yeah.
0: medalist from that year. We've got the Claude Lelouch uh kind of helmed project he and uh, 12 other french uh auteurs kind of each did their thing and, and kind of he pulled it together to kind of that that kind of place and time snapshot as well as there was an official film uh the snows of grenoble uh again capturing a pretty pivotal olympics of, of 68 those those are definitely highly recommended uh, excellent films
1: yeah, I'd say thirteen days in France uh, is probably among my favorites. Maybe my actual actual favorite. Uh, it, there are a couple that give it its run run for its money, but that one I, I think just because of the focus, it, it's more of an art film than the rest. Uh, and in fact, uh, I think uh, my my wife was in the room as I was watching this and didn't really understand why they weren't showing the sports and, and but instead they show <laughs> you know, the people working on the sports. You know, we kind of mentioned the, the people tamping down the course in the early early days. This one gets more into the into more of that and and uh, um and just observing observing little things so you do see some of the athletes i don't i don't remember if you saw keely uh you definitely saw him in the uh in the official film and uh, and then again in albertville a few years yeah, later yeah. He, when he's uh, <laughs> one of the
0: officials one of the organizers of the event right?
1: but i don't, I don't know if you capture his celebrity uh, you just know that you know he's just another performer um but uh, but yeah that that was just a great film and um and then I think the uh, the Sapporo film, the Shinoda film was kind of uh, kind of co-opted some of that and, and maybe a little bit of a Tokyo Olympiad mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it, it it engages more with the actual sports of the, of the, the time, but I think uh, th- those those films kind of pair very well or those two eras pair well. So I think that that's a actually I'd say it's a 68 through 76 is probably my favorite stretch of uh, Winter Olympics film. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. It was a very
0: cool era, and I'll just kind of plug downhill eraser, which is a feature film set right in that same era, 1969 production. I covered it on Criterion Reflections a while back, and uh, really kind of captures the zeitgeist of that particular time when when downhill was just. Really, just kind of a cool badass sport, and it still is. But it still there's, is there's kind of a rawness <laughs> to it that I, 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 it is, it is, you know, this, the, the downhill, the slout, the super G, those Alpine speed events. That is kind of the epitome of the Winter Olympics, as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and jump up to Innsbruck '76, White Rock. I mean, again, we've <laughs> we've both kind of gone effusive on that. Maybe our own social media comments <laughs> speak for themselves. Arik, did you have a, Have you gotten to White Rock yet, or not? No, no, we no, are now
2: past t- the point where I'm I'm moving through a little bit slower than you gentlemen because I'm writing about all of these, yeah, And, and yeah. so it's taking me a little longer, but yeah, I'm really curious. I, I've heard so many good things about it. It's, so I'm looking it's forward just to listening. really
0: fun. It is. It's, it's almost kind of like a newbie's tutorial to the Olympics. Yeah, you know, with a little bit of a first-person perspective. James Coburn, a very entertaining narrator, and uh, and 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 really takes full advantage of those first-person shots where you're really inside mm-hmm. the bobsled and. You know, and and just the the Rick Wakeman soundtrack. I mean, again, it's it's all pretty much repeating things that we've already waxed effusive about. But it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's a winner. It's a really really delightful film,
1: and and some great uh, uh, visuals too. And it, and it's a short film, and it and I don't I don't think you see an actual athlete uh, or a, a medal winner in the film. I, I could be. It's mistaken not about there, the results. It's, it's about it's the not, experience
0: yeah. of being in the air on the slopes. Down the you know down mm-hmm. the luge on the track, uh, just strapping them up and getting into it. So yeah, very very yeah. Participatory. The way
1: I described it is it's a seventy something minute commercial for how badass the Olympics are uh, <laughs> with yeah. uh, James Coburn and some prog music. Um, and then and so we we actually do kind of if if you want to follow the actual events and the sports history you kind of miss it because for eight years because this and the next film really don't engage with that at all it's not until we get back into the um well more of the greenspan type of film which actually um and and sorry abo yeah Uh, because lake placid i I think that was probably my least favorite film uh it's so slight right it's terrible yeah
0: (laughs) it's it's basically (laughs) like a montage am i wrong it was made by coca-cola right yeah, it's, it's a half-hour yes. infomercial, basically, it just is, yeah. impressions. So I guess if you're looking for just a quick one-and-done, you, know, uh, you know, kind of bird's-eye view of, of an Olympics, but it really kind of does it a disservice, you know, so mm-hmm. there you go. It's 20- crazy
2: how bad the U.S. films are up until pretty recent. Yeah. Like yeah, every one of, some them of the Greenspan's are, or...
1: are really good, but yeah, some are are, are pretty bad. Actually, I, I'd say some of the the recent films are not that great. Uh, the summer films, um, so oh, but even
2: just what I mean is until until '84 in LA, there's no films right except for the 30 yeah, minutes of of and a German film. Right? So yeah. it's just
0: it's crazy. Uh, so Sarajevo '88 or Sarajevo '84, a turning point. I think Sarajevo just is sort of one of those, especially in hindsight, kind of one of these tragic yeah. Olympics because of the terrible you know plight that the uh, people of that region Yugoslavia the former Yugoslavia Serbia Bosnia Croatia just all the all the strife and all the agony that that the that society had to go through Sarajevo was was billed of course as a as a turning point that was the name of the film but uh, hindsight mm-hmm. just kind of casts a, a kind of a pall over that particular production there were some great events there. But uh, yeah, it it's kinda history has kinda changed our perspective on on what happened in those Olympics.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't help thinking when I saw youngsters in that movie, you know, wondering how they uh,
0: how that how things turned out for them. Yeah, and, which of them lived you know, were alive ten years later or you know, yeah. fifteen years later, right? And, and I that's did a one lot thing of about
2: that during the German ones as well. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. This is
1: actually a great two-screen Wikipedia type of uh, a box set because a lot of times <laughs> when I saw an athlete, I would say, "Well, what happened with them?" And actually, there's some yeah. tragic stories. You know, actually, I, I think '84 was uh, Bill Johnson. Is that right? Mm. And and he had an extremely tragic story. Uh, he was the gold medal winner. That might have been '88. No, I mean, it's I Bill Johnson. Remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, '84. But of course, you know you don't have that hindsight. These were made at the time, so you can't know um, how uh, how troublesome his life was and how it ended. Or like uh, maddie Nikkinen, who uh, turned out to be a, her- a horrible person, but he was a great ski jumper. So they, I think they they glossed over how terrible he was as a guy. Um, I think that was eighty eight or maybe ninety two. But then they don't get into how terrible he was to women. So I again I, I recommend watching this and doing your own research along the way not just the historical but uh, in, into
0: the the individuals so yeah and well, that's just another aspect I mean we've, we've talked about Hitler we've talked about some of the other you know notorious figures but there are so many really important things Figures from 20th century life and culture. I mean Muhammad mm. Ali and and others and right. Some, some right. Summer Olympics, but it's just it's just an amazing cross section of so much that was going on historically. But let's kind of keep things moving again. Uh, 1988 uh, was the debut of the Bud Greenspan era, which pretty much yes. takes us through almost the remainder of the set. Uh, the 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 days of glory uh, kind of a theme here where. You know, he did that uh, up close and personal focus on individual athletes. Uh, he did a, he and his crew. I, I certainly it's not one a one man show, but he was the mm-hmm. the name brand there. Uh, did a lot of research. They must have done a lot of filming about a lot of other individuals, athletes, and characters because it seems like he just has a knack of pointing out the poignant stories uh, and how they won or didn't win or, or whatever happened to him I mean, that's just there's really the common theme but you have to figure he he didn't just have the magic touch to just pick out every athlete whose story was most compelling he probably just tracked a lot of people and mm-hmm. decided to, in the editing room which stories are going to make it to the final cut um, yeah,
1: can you yeah. imagine the cutting room floor uh, <laughs> the, Yeah, because he did a lot films- of interviews yeah, and, and by the way, Arik, when you get there, just make sure you take care of your butt cheeks because you're going to be using them a lot because <laughs> they're basically three hours uh, each each one. Uh, I got through
2: seven hours of Amsterdam 28, I'm sure. I'll. <laughs> but it reminds me of Tokyo Olympiad where he follows that that guy, um, the runner who like loses mm-hmm. in his first heat and then his Olympics are over.
0: Yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yep. yeah. And,
1: and there are so. some of that. Although, for the most part, and, and not really spoiling, but the, for the most no, part, I the people, hear. the people that are interviewed, uh, and, and actually there, there there is some predictability as you watch this set because usually the person that's interviewed wins the gold or, hmm. or they you know, and and they'll kind of have their uh, their euphoric moment at the end as they overcome adversity not always though so there's there there are some surprises but right. um, but the formula but, yeah.
0: is pretty much to focus on the winners and the people who kind of overcame the odds so mm-hmm. you know it it's and it's a very good approach in the early films um because it it did kind of get you into the human story whereas mm-hmm. some of the other films were really more about technique and process and just the the physical beauty, and so you might say, "Wow, that's quite impressive to watch this skier going down the slope, or or this uh, skater kind of giving it his or her all." But you know, it looks equally impressive whether they finished in first place or tenth place. You know, right. to, to most people. Uh, but he gets into the the training and the personal mm-hmm. struggles and and the families the injuries, the family history, the political obstacles. I mean, just all the things that stand in the way. Of realizing this dream and so yeah you you, you kind of get emotionally hooked in you get on board and there you are doing that 80s freeze frame fist pump at the end <laughs> you know <laughs> to say, yeah, one, thing <laughs>
1: one thing i'll credit uh, greenspan with uh, as american films and pretty much from the 80s on i i'm like arik i'm an olympics junkie and i've those 16 days or 13 days or however many they were. I, I generally was aware and following most of them. So a lot of these were, I was rewatching, um, but I would say that he doesn't just focus on Americans. So no, there are a he, lot of really interesting stories. Yeah, he a lot of interesting stories that I was had no no uh, concept of, and, and in fact, uh, so some events that don't we don't see a whole lot on on our telecast, like like curling. I think curling this year is getting some. Well, not the, not that he focuses on curling much, <laughs> but uh, or cross country skiing. You know, I don't oh. think that hit prime time. Um, you know, our prime time I think has always been skiing, figure skating, uh, hockey, hockey, right. Hacking, uh, but yeah. cross-country skiing, there were some great stories and actually some uh, really exciting events. Um, uh, and I don't won't get into it, but there was the the, the lady who crashed. I think that was Salt Lake City. Uh, so, I, and I'd say the films themselves kind of had diminishing returns, but some of the stories were just terrific. Like like that lady, um, and and her the, the one that uh, had I don't want to spoil. So there was a lady that had some injuries and still finished strong, and and that really showed the, the the athletic spirit and the, the what they'll go through to, to um, what they'll put themselves through to get um, possibly yeah. a medal. Um, so, yeah, I think that the Greenspan films are, are really, really solid. But I don't think you can really compare. I mean, it's really apples and oranges compared to, say, Fight Without Hate or. Or, the, or like the, the German films.
0: Yeah, the artistry isn't quite the same. Um, you know, Lillehammer 94 is available on Filmstruck. I think that's one of the longest ones. It's like three and a half hours. It's got mm-hmm. uh, Dan Jansen. It's got Bonnie Blair. Right. I, wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, good st- it's, it's good <laughs> yeah. Really just incredible bringing, stories. They're just bringing memories back. You'll it, enjoy them, yeah. It, for those of us who yeah. have lived through those Olympics, those names themselves are resonant and uh, this really kind of gives you that definitive record. Dan Jansen and particular is really quite remarkable yeah you know what what all happened with him so you know I won't spoil it but I'll just say check it out it's very much the payoff is there
1: and a lot of us have lived it and like Arik said and Arik's about to go through this um but watching it in you know just it's still exciting to see how how things ended up even though even if you know the ending so I I will give credit to Greenspan I think he and of course, he was getting older, and and I think his he probably didn't have as much time to cover as much um, as as he got older, because I I think the last film he did was actually it was the last film was 2010. Right, right, yeah, he took and right that and the that was Bud Bud Green's Band presents. It wasn't yeah. So I th- it, I think there was a pretty good grouping there.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you can sort of say that you know the Bud Greenspan uh, franchise kind of took over the official Olympics films for quite a bit, mm. and that that kind of corresponds to how the Olympics have been kind of homogenized and commercialized to their certain extent. I will say I have heard enough of Will Lyman, the the narrator. <laughs> yeah, the nar- narration's a little a little it's, bland. It's uh, a, it's a I mean it's just like year well, after there, year. There were two
1: narrators because the, the first okay. guy died, uh, I think. Okay. Before like maybe ninety two or ninety four, I forget. And then so they have a new a new guy that sounds almost identical, <laughs> so you barely notice the the difference. And I wonder if they said, "Hey, just listen, watch this old movie, and just do do your uh, your best impression." But yeah, uh, yeah uh, I, I would take. Mike Tirico or any of the <laughs> broadcasters from NBC, even over uh, uh, even, over that guy,
0: even just some variety, even just mm-hmm. you know the stentorian statement, the you know the you know just the dramatic <laughs> Uber. Give them some yeah. coffee. <laughs> so on that on that note,
2: uh, I like I said, you're all you're Aaron, you're way ahead of me on this set. Um, uh, it, it, Beijing and, and London, I know this is Summer Games, but they are away from this Bud Greenspan Empire. Do they kind of bring back a little bit of that? Yeah,
1: so I, I I won't. Well, Beijing is, it, it, I I guess it's such a spectacle, and and the mm. opening ceremonies, and I'm sure you saw right. them, right? Oh, of yes. course, those, those are phenomenal. So right. so that yeah, and and so the films are very good. Um, however, I would say that I'm I'm a little worried about Olympic film now. Watching Pyeongchang, I thought, well, wow, this is great. Um, I'm missing all this cross-country skiing and. Uh, figure skating or not figure Catchy skating when some the documentary speed comes speed skating up. i was like i can't wait for the movie but then yeah. i thought oh i don't know if there's going to be a movie or at least not like the ones we're used to um I, my only take uh, on the on the the summer games uh, the last one in the set fir- called first mm-hmm. is about is just a, a about I think maybe ten first time Olympians. Mm. So it's a good concept but and there are some good stories, kinda like Bud's Greenspan, but since it's more just Verite watching people uh finish, some of whom fail, some of whom whom succeed, it's kind of a mixed bag. So I that's mm. one of my least favorites, so I don't mm. know.
0: Yeah, I, I do we'll kind see. of hope and, and look forward to kind of a post-Greenspan era of Olympic filmmaking. I did actually do a little bit of searching. And uh, so the, the two Olympics that have taken place since the conclusion of this set were Sochi, Winter in Russia 2014. I cannot find any video. There's there's a supposedly a film called Rings of the World, but I've looked uh, all over to see if I could find a copy of that to be purchased. And then Rio de Janeiro 2016 Summer Olympics, I cannot find an official film of that either. But hmm. I would love to see a Russian-made and a Brazilian-made film, respectively, of those Olympics where you get back to of the national flavor, the cultural kind of community where these Olympics took place and give some of the, uh, the local filmmakers a chance to tell that story. I, I really hope the International Olympic Committee has some kind of plans to... Build on this because now I, I do feel like I'm a sort of an Olympic <laughs> films collector junkie here. And, so the and, official yeah. film of, of the the official film of the Rio 2016 games is called Days of Truce. And okay. you can watch
2: it on the on OlympicChannel.com. Okay. Olympic Channel has it. It's an so, hour and a half long. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but it is okay. made by a British. Brazilian filmmaker.
0: Excellent. Well, good. Well, okay. well I, I guess it didn't come up in my searches. Did you find some, anything similar for Sochi 2014? I'm looking right now. Okay. Well, it's called and, Rings and, and, of the World. That's the name of it, but I couldn't find a commercially available product anywhere. Maybe maybe the Olympic channel is keeping it in their streaming services or something like that. Yeah, and bro. maybe
1: we'll get like a little mini box set uh, in, in a couple years from Criterion of yeah. oh, so uh, the next uh, the plus ten, <laughs> uh, so we, we the ten years of Olympics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to wait for two hundred years of Olympics films. <laughs> no, no,
2: Rise <laughs> <I, I, laughs> of the World, the official Sochi film. It does look like you can watch it, but
0: it's a little harder. But yeah, I, okay, I'm sure there yeah. are ways. <laughs> well, thank you for digging that up. Uh, no problem. I'm happy yeah. to send it to you. Yeah, one other one other thing with this set, you know, there are no supplemental features, which you know, as another, I, I have seen a little bit of that criticism out there. Hey, there's a lot of movie to watch on this thing. Uh, would there mm-hmm. be some room for some commentary tracks? Perhaps. Uh, I don't know who those commentary tracks would be you know, narrated by, uh, would there be some room Not Will before? Lyman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know, are there supplemental features? Are there any short subjects or things that could have been? Hey, I don't know. This this is a, an embarrassment of riches as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. This, this, I'm, this I'm not set, complaining. This is an and, and frankly,
1: at, with 6,000-something minutes, uh, as much as I would have appreciated maybe like a little segment about each one, I'm fine with not having that other thousand or two thousand minutes to go through this is uh, quite an endeavor as it is um,
0: it, it really is it's it's a slice it's a monumental slice of life uh, f- from so many different angles, so many different perspectives even just seeing how the different you know the, the sporting disciplines are covered in so many different ways over the course of uh, you know a century of history. Uh, there's nothing quite like it that I know of on home video. And it's, it's a Mm -hmm. product that I enthusiastically endorse and I kind of feel bad for anybody who's got a, you know, kind of a resistance to it uh, for, you know, reasons maybe we've already discussed a little bit here and there. So any final comments before you wrap this episode up guys, I've really enjoyed the conversation for sure.
2: Yeah. uh, I just wanted to say um, in brief, uh, that the Olympics represent s- such an uh, an amazing ideal, like we said earlier, and these films fully explore like every aspect of that ideal and additionally showcase so much of the last century of world history, as you said, mm-hmm. David, around everything that's happening. So I think that it, even if you don't, care about sports at all there's so much to find here and i strongly recommend if you're even vaguely curious get on filmstruck watch a couple and then realize that they even the the ones that were maybe not the best have something there that is like i have not found one yet where i'm like i wasted my time watching that even the slog that was amsterdam 28 had had value so i think you know it, there's so much value here and i'm just so happy to have this set on my shelf it represents not only the 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 best of of, of of all the things we mentioned, but also the best of the Criterion collection. Like this is Agreed.
1: absolutely what they do, and so I love it. And wait for nineteen eighty <laughs> for uh, it wasn't <laughs> nineteen. Oh no, I'm sorry. Was it nineteen yeah, 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 eighty? Yeah, Lake for,
0: Placid, right? For, it, it, for the, it's for it's for, a yeah, full right. short 27, 27
1: <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't I know, suffer it's a long. Commercial. I get it. But, um, you know. Actually, my final thought. I'll just say that maybe one of my favorites was um, that we we kind of didn't cover was the olympic glory from 1998 nagano oh, that's the imax right. one it's and now i gorgeous. i have a 68 inch tv it's a pretty big tv and um and i thought it would oh this would be fine for an imax film but actually it felt too small sometimes because they have the right. little blocks of uh, of scenes uh, so like maybe they'll have like an octobox kind of if you if you watch nfl network you'll you'll get that um yeah there, yeah, there there are some scenes sometimes. that were shot on video. I,
0: that, that is another just interesting technical feature. Real quick, is this how some of the video era, like the nineteen ninety two Albertville, has some really crappy sequences because this is footage that was shot for TV where there really was not a high fidelity expectation and yet films from, you know, 50 years earlier look so much crisper and cleaner than stuff that we yeah. all grew up on. But you're right that 98 Olympic Glory, it's a short subject, but there are some scenes it's... in there those high def IMAX sequences that you can just jump right into the screen and you're like it's right gorgeous there. it's unbelievably yeah. beautiful so uh, just don't
1: watch it on a 26 inch tv that's no, all i'm saying that, <laughs> that's
0: why they didn't put on film stroke don't watch it on your phone yeah. I, <laughs> I wish
1: i I wish they still did that and we could st- yeah. we could watch that in imax theaters in fact having watched this i would go to each each one of
0: those but i, I think that was a one and done yeah. all right guys well good thank you for your uh, intru- uh contributions your input Awesome conversation. We we just scratched the surface. That's how it goes with a, mm-hmm. with a box set of this magnitude. But uh, we do welcome listener feedback. So if you've got any further comments, let us know in our various social media outputs. Uh, we will uh, connect with you soon with another episode of Criterion Cast. So thanks for listening, everybody.